helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning. If you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home or investing in your 401k, maybe it's buying the right insurance and the right amount of insurance, are you just looking for a tip on how to get jump start on a savings account? Well, whether you're a baby boomer or millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. Common, there's a common concern that runs through households. It's always money. And this program is for you. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, we've got some guests today that I think you're going to find. We're, we're going to dive into something that is so important to a lot of families. When I talk about the millennial or the baby boomer, the reality is I'm talking about something that we as parents look at our children and say, we want you, it's just the natural thing to do. We want you to do better than what we did. Now, in some cases, uh, that's not too hard. In some cases, that's pretty tough. The reality is we all want our children to just have a better life. So college education has become the pretty much around-the-table talk for everybody, whether they're two months old or they're 18 and trying to make the decision of where they're going to college. And it's a discussion point. It is critical, it's important, and we encourage it. So my guests today, Michael Powell and Scott Jordan, we're going to kind of dive into some college funding, some college planning. How do you prepare that two-month-old? How do you sit down and talk about it and figure out what's going to be the plan? Or if you find yourself, "Uh uh-oh, it's now they're 18 and we've got to figure out a way to do it, bottom line is we're going to give you some insight and give you some guidelines on what to do and, more importantly, what not to do. Guys, let me uh, say to you right off, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Great to be here. Guys, let me say this. I've got a number for you, and and this is a a statistical number, and I think it's important that everybody knows the number. It's $1.56 trillion. Wow. Big number. Big, big, big number. It's a new record. And so it's... um, it's not the paycheck that I got yesterday, so that's it. That eliminates that choice. That was my first guess. That's your first choice, right. $1.56 trillion new record this year, 2020. Now, you guys know the answer to already, don't you? Yeah. I have a hunch. You have a hunch. <laughs> Michael, what is it? Uh, student loan debt. Student loan debt. I can't, you know, guys, too, I mean— can you imagine? It's like 1.5. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. We actually talked about that. You know, everybody has to figure that somehow, some way, maybe we're going to come up with a program that will forgive debt. I mean, when we passed the idea that you could borrow money to go to school, a lot of people said, okay, we'll go to school. And so we even know of people that said, oh, I'll go to school whether I pay the debt off or not. That's not the issue. And, and it's kind of like become almost a. Um, an entitlement program that you put together and say, borrow the money. But there are a lot of people that today, fiscally responsible, that say, nope, I'm not going to borrow money. I'm going to save the money. I'm going to figure out a way and maybe work a little bit while I'm going to college and then have some money you know, set aside that can go. And parents are doing that. So, Michael, I really want you to help us understand what – let's start with the cost today. Mm-hmm. Let's start with – I mean, if I'm going to go to the typical average in-state school, what am I looking at as far as money that I need today to start in the fall? 
Well, just to reference the source real quick, the annual survey of colleges, trends in college pricing, they did it last year, 2019. If you look at 2019-2020, uh, for in-state public four-year universities, you're looking at about $10,400 a year, and out-of-state would be twenty six, almost $27,000 so for one year. For one year. So, yes, what I was going to say. So, if I'm going in-state, the average cost. Average cost. cost, cost now, we could have gone in and looked I'm up. I'm sure in the southern region, it's, it's probably a little cheaper. Cheaper, you know, but well, we, not, some, in some cases. In some cases. You <laughs> yeah. know. I mean, uh, Scott, you had that, you did, you carried that burden in the last 10 years. So tell me about what was, what was your thinking from the standpoint of college cost? Well, I think that, you know, you have to look at it from one, from one side, you're looking at it as an investment in your future, right? If you're, if you're looking ahead and thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to lay out this money, whether you're paying it out of pocket or borrowing it, what am I investing in and what am I, where am I trying to get with that? So I think that's the way I've always looked at it. I, I think that, you know, borrowing money to go to school can be a good thing as long as you're, you're planning well and you know that you're going to have the kind of job afterwards or at least have a great possibility of getting a kind of job to be able to pay that loan back and still be able to live, right? I think I'm getting this. I mean, a little tongue-in-cheek. In other words, I shouldn't, I shouldn't major in underwater basket weaving. Well, it if depends. <laughs> Is that a hot job these there days? There may be a I'm niche sure. for that today. I don't know about underwater basket weaving. But the reality is, in other words, and you, I like the way you put that, investing in your future right. is reality. And so with that in mind, plan, think about it. This is a parental thing. Now, you know, parents don't always get to decide what that child is going to go major in. Right. But it's a lot of encouragement. And the key is, if you don't know what you're going to major in, then just plan on making sure that you don't have to borrow the whole tuition. Mm -hmm. You know, if you said, and I think, Michael, that's great, $10,000, a little over $10,000 a year. In so today's dollars. In today's dollars. Right. So we're looking at $40,000. If I'm starting in, in the fall, I need to have set aside $40,000. I may not have $40,000. But I have some of it. My dad, I have to admit, my dad was one of the wisest men I've ever known because he looked at me as I graduated from college, I mean, from high school. He said, son, we have a plan. And I'm thinking, great, because I, I was going to college. I got, thought I was going to go to a baseball scholarship. And, that, that you know, I found out real quick that, that I was good, but I wasn't good enough, you know. And mm -hmm. so I said, okay, I'm going to college. He said, here's the plan. You pay for a semester, and I'll pay for a semester. You failed to pay for a semester. I failed to pay for it. It was pretty, pretty good that, decision. Yeah, so absolutely. it was like I worked and I saved and I did what I needed to do. But that at that point in time, it wasn't $10,000 for me to go to college. Right. right. And I think the right. planning was different. I was able to get a job. It's harder to get a job today. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a stressful part. Like you said, it wasn't 10000 back when you were younger, but... I mean, uh, I'm at, the colleges are for-profit businesses. And by the way, when the I was part. younger, we did have electricity, and there wasn't <laughs> running water, all those things. You hiked in the snow to school every day, 200 yards. And 200 all, miles. 200 miles, yeah. <laughs> Uphill right. all both ways. Uphill, yeah, exactly. No, but my point was is that, um, you know, you look at if you've got a newborn or someone who's younger, like a child or grandchild that you're really wanting to support for college, um, you got to think about, the future cost, not just today's dollars. And that's the biggest thing most people neglect when they look at this stuff. So, so let's talk about how we pay for it. Let's talk about some plans okay. 
that I want the listening audience to follow and understand that there's some things to do. Now, there's some characteristics that a plan of any type like this that you're going to be talking about. I know you're going to mention three or four. Just give us those through the. So going through and, and what Jim really means by this is saying that, you know, if I'm saving for college, I want to make sure that, you know, when I do that, what are some certain things I can feel good about as far as characteristics? Number one is control. Do I have control of this money or does my child who doesn't have the responsibility yet to take it, uh, take control of that? Because let's say they get to 18, they decide not to go to college, but that money is quote unquote in their name. Then that's, that's a big red flag, right? So you would recommend anybody to make sure that they're maintaining the control. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then flexibility. You know, what if they decide to go to a trade school or uh, you've got multiple children? Can I transfer that account or that savings to the next child? If, let's say, they got that baseball scholarship that Jim didn't get, you know, one of those. Well, you didn't have to throw that out. <laughs> I that like was, that. That was quick. I mean, I wanted to be a D1 basketball <laughs> scholarship guy, but, I mean, I needed to grow like six more inches, really, to, to I be needed, able to accomplish that I needed to run dream. a little faster yeah. my problem. Yeah. So, you know, does scholarships play into that? You know, financial aid. I mean, we got federal financial aid, and depending on what state you're in, you know, how does that impact what type of asset I own, you know, compared to everything else? So, those so if are I've the saved money, what you're saying is if I've saved a pot of money to go to college, you want to make sure that if I need to borrow or get aid, mm-hmm. that I haven't impacted that. Yes. Uh, right. That makes sense. That's so good. control, flexibility, uh, is it transferable to somebody else? And then the big thing a lot of times is financial aid. It makes a lot of sense. So you throw in taxes. Yeah, taxes, of course, is one of those things we're paying on the front end during or on the back end. But uh, there are some different tax advantages you can take in saving for your college. And I know that you'll talk about this, but when you think about estate planning, there are some strategies that you can do with its trust or something like that, which I don't think we're going to cover, but that you need to understand that that might not reduce your taxable estate, and they need to always take that into consideration. But that's not a really, I want to dive in. You talk about 529 plans, and there's two types. Yes. Cover those for me. So you've got number one, which is the most common one for people, is the college savings plan. And really that is setting up an account, kind of like you would for retirement, but really it's a tax advantage plan for you to put money away for that child or grandchild or whoever it is. Long term it grows, you know, just like you would invest in your 401k or an IRA. But any earnings that I make is tax-free to me if I spend it on qualified tuition expenses, like books, tuition. Uh, I don't know necessarily the laptop you go buy for them, but, you know, dorm, all that stuff can be included in there. So really, it's not one of those things you want to put away, like my kid's going to college, you know, this fall. Kind of too late to start a 529 because really you're not going to gain a whole lot of tax advantages from something like that. But if I'm looking at a three or four year old or even like someone in their, you know, early teens, then it could be a very uh, lucrative plan to go with. So, and again, does that affect the, with you talking about a qualified savings plan, does that affect the federal financial aid? It actually does. So if you have a 529 college savings plan, then it does count as an asset for the parent or whoever the owner is. Owner. So, you know, when you're going through federal aid, I'll, I'm sure Scott could probably speak to a little bit more because you just had some, you had a daughter graduate mm-hmm. not too long ago. Yeah. So going through that, they do look at your assets. They want to know, you know, money in the bank, 
what you got in retirement. But a 529 is considered an asset when they look at that stuff. If you just tuned in, we're talking about college planning, financial planning for college. In other words, setting aside a certain amount of money if you have small children. And now I want to make sure that you understand, if you happen to be a grandparent, you can participate in these plans also. There's things that you can do as a grandparent. So just listen through Michael Powell, Scott Jordan. We're going through this process of giving you some ideas. And the first one is the college savings plan, a 529 plan, but it's known as a college savings plan. Now, Michael, I want to go over number two because I find it to be extremely interesting and very much an advantage. You, it's a, called a prepaid tuition plan. Yes. And really, that is uh, it's pretty self-explanatory from what it says prepaid. Right. But a lot of some states don't offer this anymore. I know Mississippi used to growing up. Uh, you've had some parents to where, you know, I talked about in the beginning, you know, college wasn't the same when you were there or when I was there. It's getting higher and higher. And a big advantage today is that depending on the state you live in, you could actually pay for school for your child, whatever age they are, in today's dollars and lock in that rate. So if I buy one or two semesters today, even though that later down the road I don't pay for the rest of my kid's college, I at least got two years locked in at today's rate no matter how much the cost is later. The other part is out of my pocket. So you just got to check the state if it's available for it. But that's that's another thing. And it's a little bit safer because I'm not really more dependent on saving for a specific dollar amount in that college savings plan. Whereas here, I am just paying flat out. I know the rate. I know the cost. I'm going to go ahead and pay it. So if there's somebody listening to this on the podcast later on, they need to make sure that this is available in their state. Right. And exactly. it could, it does help on some taxes in the state, but you need to be sure that you've looked and understood that your state is, this is not, you said Mississippi used to, doesn't anymore. That's important for right. people to know. Another big thing is that let's say you live in Tennessee and your child wants to go to Arkansas for school or whatever it is. And I've paid for a prepaid plan in Tennessee. Tennessee. How does that impact if my kid goes to a different state? And the big thing is that, um, of course, we talked about the difference between in-state and out-of-state, how drastic of a change that is. But they'll keep that in-state dollar amount. But let's say the college is 10000 and Arkansas is 26. You paid for 10, but you got to pay that extra 16 out of your own pocket, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, so it is transferable, but it's not as, as good. Right. Okay. That makes In that sense. case, I mean, of course. A lot of ones I've seen have a reduced benefit if you go out of state. So you, the biggest benefit of using the prepaid is to go to college in the state where you're prepaying. And those are becoming a little more rare, like Michael said. They're, you know, that was kind of like the traditional pension plan versus the 401k. It it's, sounded good. It's well, being, it was it's being good. pushed. It, it was good. good. It was oh, yeah. You actually said, I mean, the mm. fact that if you bought that prepaid semester and 10 years later that, that whatever you paid for, you still get a prepaid semester, whatever mm-hmm. it cost. I mean, if you feel like college is going to continue to go up up astronomically, I mean, looking into a prepaid plan is not a bad idea. It's just having the cash to do it, you know, because uh, whereas you could do a little bit at a time with a college savings plan, the prepaid tuition plans, I mean, you can pay incrementally. But let's suppose I've got a child that decides that he's doing a great job and he becomes the all-American world championship baseball player, and he gets a full ride at some great, great school, and that's what I want to do, and I've got all this money saved up. Have I just saved up a pile of money that is over? What, what's happened there? Well, the good news is, is that you can transfer it to someone else. To someone else. A child. 
Or, Any child? Well, it's got to be your child. <laughs> okay. It could be a grandchild. Okay. Yeah, other, some, other family members. Other yeah. family members can get it. But it has to be somebody that you're directly family related. Yes. Not cousins. No. Okay. So that's important for people to know that yes, if you've is. done this and you do have that exceptional child athletically, musically, whatever, or academically, and they get in and get a free ride, you haven't lost it. You could apply for another child family member, or a grandchild. Exactly. So you don't lose it. No, you don't. Okay, that's that's good. What about Roth IRAs, tra- traditional IRAs? There's some advantages there? Yes, there are. And uh, don't get this misconstrued with a 401k. Because, you know, with 401ks, I'm putting that in for it's set up through my employer. Or even if you've had a 401k that you left a job for, um, you can't just pull money out of a 401k and pay for someone's education. Um, and, you know, get the tax advantages. And what I mean by that is that, you know, normally for retirement, uh, we save in IRAs and Roth IRAs and 401ks. But if we use it for any other reason, the IRS comes knocking on our door and says, hey, you know, you owe us some money, taxes, they'll penalize you. And there's certain qualifications that you can avoid that 10% penalty people talk about when you're 59 and a half years old, if you pull it out before. But if I use it on qualified tuition or qualified educational expenses, then I can actually waive that 10% penalty. Um, Like in a Roth, for example, I mean, anything that is put in that account, you know, after tax wise, I mean, that's always tax free to me because I've already paid the taxes on it. But if I've got growth in there and I want to use it towards my kid's education or even grandchild's, then I don't have to pay that 10% penalty if I'm supporting that before I'm 59 and a half. You know, that, that sounds sense. to me like a very, very good opportunity if I've got an IRA. Now, you said it's not eligible for a 401k, but you've got an IRA, Roth or a traditional. Right. But I want people to be sure that we put this in our minds. You could be impacting your retirement plan. Yes. I think that's critical. There's, there's no independent decision here, right? When you're doing planning around this, you have to look at the big picture because what you do in one area of your planning, you, you by definition can't do it in the other area. It can affect the other area. So knowing, you know, yeah, that's great that you have this option to pull it out of your retirement, but how does that affect retirement? You know, you need to think about those kind of things when you're making those decisions. Well, I thank you guys. That, that has been a tremendous amount of information. Of course, if you want to get, the, we have a, a PDF that's available for you. If you just simply, all you have to do to get the copy of the PDF is simply go to Shoemaker Financial. It's called, the, the PDF is one of those things that's very simple to use, very simple to get. It's a, it's a plan for retirement and college planning. Uh, I'll talk more about it later coming up. But it's a plan that you can just print the PDF by going to Shoemaker Financial, find it. If you want to just read it or if you want to print it, you can pick it, you know, do that from that standpoint. Um, we'll talk about that later on, too. But I've got somebody on the phone because I, I like you guys talking about college planning. The reality is this lady is talking about college planning in the first grade. Mm. Now, people don't think about it the way maybe that you and I are thinking from a financial standpoint. This is a passionate lady that is working as the executive director for Arise to Read. And I want to introduce her and just get her started. Karen Bogusing, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. How are you? We are doing wonderful, lady. Thanks for asking. I've got this question for you because let me, I want you to explain to everybody the general mission and purpose of Arise to Read because we've been talking about college planning. Now, I said at the beginning of the program that every parent 
most every parent, I can't think of anybody that I know that would not want their child to do better than they do. In other words, it's been the kind of that mindset. You have a child, you want that child to grow up to be better and to, to achieve, and yet reading is so critical. We talked about these guys helped me understand that we got to save money to pay for college. You talk about the fundamentals of learning to read. Give us the mission statement. Tell us what Arise to Read is all about. Well, the, the short version of our mission statement is save a child, save a family, save a city. And our focus is on early childhood education, and we focus on children in the second grade. And our goal is to work with children to shore up a very specific literacy skill uh, that some people call word reading fluency, sight word fluency. But this particular skill is critical for children to be able to read fluently. And if you can't read fluently, it's very, very difficult to comprehend or understand what you're reading. And so we work with second grade students to shore up that very specific literacy skill so that they can go into third grade really, really being prepared for reading to learn. Because from kindergarten to second grade, children are learning to read. And once kiddos get to third grade, they need to be ready to, for, for reading to learn. Otherwise, it is a very steep downward slope from there, and college more than likely won't become a reality for those children who are not reading proficiently by the end of third grade. Say that mission statement again, because I think everybody, I want everybody to hear that. This is your passion, but, but clearly, clearly articulate it one more time for us. Sure. Save a child, save a family, save a city. If we can help children become really strong readers before they ever enter into the third grade, they have an 89% graduation rate, which is the same for children coming from middle-income families. How does that impact families? Because we've heard from our children, our, our little second graders, telling us how they've taken their learning home to their cousins and their family members. So that can help change the trajectory not only for a child's current family, but for that child's family in the future. Why save a city? Because if we have uh, children that can graduate from high school that are prepared to enter college or career, we can bring more businesses to Memphis and we can improve our economy. We can improve the crime rate and things like that because we have to have an educated workforce. So that's why in a nutshell, our mission statement is save a child, save a family, save a city. And that can happen when children are really strong readers before they get to third grade. You know, that is so critical, and I so much appreciate that, because I think people need to understand you're impacting a city because you're impacting the education ability of a child. You know, that, yeah. you know people think of it, well, that doesn't fix us today. No, but I tell you what, this is a group of people, and you've got data that's already telling that you are having an enormous impact. And, and I want to talk about some of that data. I want to talk about how people can get involved. If you just tuned in, my guest is Karen Bogelsing. She is the executive director of Arise to Read. Now, listen, folks, this is having an impact on individual lives that impacts our city. Now, we can, you know, it's easy for us to beat our city up all day long. This is a positive impact of a group of people, some professionals, some volunteers that are in the trenches teaching young people, kids, how to read at a second, third grade, moving them educationally. You want to find out more about this. When we come back, I want to let her tell us how a COVID pandemic has impacted her, how you can become a volunteer, what are her needs. You are wanting, listen, listen, 
You want to impact our city? Here's a ministry you need to get involved with us. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Security and Financial Services are affiliated with Karen Vogelsang or Arise to Read. The views and opinions expressed are those of Karen Vogelsang only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Oh, let me tell you, that uh, PDF I was talking about earlier in the first segment of the program is College Worth It? Understanding the Cost and Benefits of College. Just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for that document that is College Worth It, and just simply download the PDF if you'd like to print it out. I wanted you to have that. It's uh, free and no charge to you at all. Just simply go to the Shoemaker Financial page and look for Is College Worth It? My guest, Karen Vogelsang, she is the executive director of Arise to Read, and we're talking about an impact in our city by a group of people that are doing something that we think. And, in fact, if you're a good reader, you just look at this and say, that's no big deal. But if you don't read, this changes people's lives. Now, Karen, I want to start with the COVID, the pandemic. Has that created, I mean, I can just imagine what it's done as far as, I know what it's done for a lot of the schools, but what has it done for your program? Well, you know, Jim, we were about two weeks away from finishing up our program because we typically get all of our kiddos post-tested before state testing starts. So if we had been able to go back into the schools after spring break, we would have only had two weeks left, and obviously that didn't happen. But even more so than not being able to finish out the program um, with with our kids, the other thing that Arise to Read does is is we address this inequity or this this equity issue of children not having access to books in the home. And we provide all of the students, whether we're tutoring them or not, all of the students eight to ten brand new books uh, each school year. And the majority of those are given in an end of year reading uh, bag during our camp read some more party. So when COVID hit and the Safer at Home order was issued, we had roughly 38,000 books all labeled in in boxes ready for them to be put into this uh, string bag from Arise to Read that's going to have these seven brand new books, parent resource guide, some reading swag for the kiddos, like a pencil and a bracelet and a bookmark and things like that. So when Safer at Home was issued, everything was just sitting there in storage, and we weren't able to get those books. Um, to the kids. And it's so important for us for that to happen because research has shown that when children have access to four to six books and they read those books over the summer, they can maintain their reading gains. So not only have our children experienced the summer slide, but they've kind of got a spring and summer slide going on. But thankfully, when phase one opened up, we were able to get access to the books. We had some of our staff that were willing and some of our amazing volunteers that were willing to come in spread out, and we got nearly 4,000 backpacks packed in about a day and a half, got them in boxes, contacted principals at the end of the end of that day um, of our 41 schools that we partnered with this year and said, hey, we've got the backpacks. We know the kids and the families are driving back through school to pick up their uh, supplies. Can we bring those to you? And we were able to get all of those boxes to all of our schools except one. And um, 
We know all of our kiddos didn't get access to those backpacks, but they're sitting at their schools waiting for them. But we were just so thankful that we had willing volunteers and staff to come to gather safely so we could put those together and get those out to our kiddos. When you talk about villa volunteers, obviously you're talking about people that helped you put backpacks together and things like that. But yeah. what about those that are teaching or helping kids learn how to read? Talk about those volunteers. We have the most amazing volunteers. Our volunteer retention rate is like 86%. They keep coming back year after year because they not only see the impact that they're making on students academically, but they also see the social-emotional growth. We've had uh, consistently over 1,200 volunteers since I came on board two years ago. Um, we started in one school when Donna Gaines founded Arise to Read uh, almost eight years ago. We supported 41 schools this past year. Um, they love the program. They, they talk about how uh, structured and consistent it is, easy for them to implement. But more so than that, what they see is the impact on the children. And these relationships between the volunteers and the kiddos, um, the children, their, their motivation improves, their self-confidence improves. They see themselves as readers. Teachers have told us that the kids come back into class and they spend more time on task and they're learning. They get excited about reading and they're encouraging uh, we had one little girl, Franny, last year tell us how she took her words and her stories home to teach her little cousins. Um, so we hear amazing stories like that, but that only happens because of the amazing, amazing volunteers uh, that we have. And we couldn't do what we do as a staff without these 1,200-plus incredible volunteers. And you are having a phenomenal impact. I mean, this has shown over the, you said, I think it's five, six, seven, eight years you're consistently yeah. seeing kids that are now moving from the third grade. They're now in junior high. They're they're reading. They're they're proficient. Some better than others. Some students. I mean, I understand that. Absolutely. But you talk about they take it home with them. They're actually yeah. teaching siblings and they're teaching parents how to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a lot of our English language learners talk about how they've um, helped their parents learn some of the words that are on that Fry Sight Word list. Um, we actually had a little girl and her mom kind of have a debate over the word island. The little girl had learned it that day, and her mom understood is and land, but didn't see the word as – and so she was kind of having a debate with her daughter. And her the little girl finally got frustrated, and mom – and she said, Mom, it's the word island. That's what my coach told me today. You know, <laughs> it's land with water around it. And so, you know, we have those kinds of stories that come back to us and, and – Every single one of our volunteers just has a positive story like that. So, yeah, we've got incredible volunteers that are making a positive impact with, with young children in our communities. Kara, let me ask you this very important question. It, it's so critical. Schools are not going to be the norm this, this fall. They're not going right. to go back as we have always anticipated. Go back to school in August and everything's normal. That's not happening. What resources yeah. are needed to support your students in this virtual schoolroom? What's, I mean, this is a critical impact. These are kids that will definitely be impacted. What do you need? Boy, and it's not just the impact now, Jim. I mean, what's going to be the domino effect? What's going to be the future effect? We need, we need volunteers um, because what we have done is uh, in, in our communications with Shelby County Schools, uh, since this has all come up, they said, okay, we know that we're going to need your support, whether we go back face-to-face -face or virtually, are you going to be able to support us? And I said, yes, absolutely. So we have created an online platform where our volunteers can work with our students. And we really see this as an opportunity to engage even more volunteers. 
Um, we've talked about at, just with our small staff right now that we have at the office, just myself and three others, we could literally be online with two students five days a week. We could be online with more than two students a day. Um, so we have an opportunity really to come together as a community in a way that we never have before to be able to really focus on shoring up um, this, these early, you know, the, these early childhood years with these foundational literacy skills. And we're going to provide all the training virtually, but it's really going to be an opportunity for us to come together uh, as, as citizens throughout the county and be able to get online and help children become the best readers they can be. So um, absolutely go to our website, arisetoread.org, and it's the number two, not the word two. Um, give us a call, 901-347-5545, to find out more information. We don't have all the details quite yet. I'm going to be in... Um, talks with the district over the next couple weeks with their rollout plan. Um, we have found out what devices they're using for the, the children. We found out what platform they're using virtually for the children. So we have gotten all of that prepared. So our biggest resource that we need right now are our volunteers. Well, that's that's what I want people to listen to. Let me give her that number again. It's Rise to Read and the letter, not not the T-W-O, but just the letter to Arise to Read, 901-347-5545. And maybe it's volunteering to teach somebody, get impact, get involved, find out what it is, or maybe you just need to make a contribution. You just made to write a check. Maybe that's your way of being able to do things. That's important. Arise to Read is Arise to, the letter to, read.org. Karen Vogelsing, she is the executive director. And all I got to say to you, if you want to spend some time and find out what passion is all about, this lady is a <laughs> passionate lady when it comes to teaching. And that's and do you want to have an impact on our city? Quit complaining about our city. Get involved with a way that you know 10, 15, 20 years from now you will have made an impact. 347-5545. Karen, thank you so much. There's so much more thank I'd like you, to talk Jim. to you about. We'll do it next time, lady, okay? Sounds great. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you. You know, I am so impressed with her and that organization and what they do, and I think it's important. Let me tell you that telephone number one more time, 347-5545, Arise 2, the letter 2, read, the number 2, excuse me, Arise, the number 2, read, dot O-R-G. Well, guys, I want to back up one more time. We've talked about college planning. We've talked about having an impact in our city. But it's time to talk about the fact that we are under stressful times. Uh, reality is the, you know, we've got a market that is up. And, Scott, I mean, you know, you think about it, it went down so fast and it's come back up. And yet 35% of the S&P 500 is still down 20%. People don't look. And yet the S&P 500 has got backed into positive territory. My concern and my thought about all of this is, Developing some kind of a sound strategy that helps all of us today in this whole thought process, building a way of getting around this negative news media. I mean, I am sick and tired of it, of the volatility of the market, uh, you know, and all that. And how can I get ready for retirement? That's my question, Scott. If I've got to think about this, help me understand what does a sound strategy for retirement look like? You know, I think you go back to the to those foundational principles, Jim, and you're looking at 
you know, what, what are we trying to accomplish here? The, the investment strategy that we put together is always based on that why. You know, when you're looking at retirement, there, there's going to be an income need there. Uh, most people have some sources of, of what we would call regular ongoing income, either Social Security or maybe an old pension. And then there's a gap there that they need to fill in order to live their retirement lifestyle, right? So that that's the why. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And then we're looking at things like risk tolerance and, and legacy goals and things like that. And we build our investment strategy around that. We don't build our investment strategy around volatility, short-term moves in the market, what the news media is saying is going to happen today. So once we have that clear picture of what we're trying to accomplish, we can look in there and say, hey, let's build a well-balanced portfolio that has a, has a history of accomplishing. You know, Scott, I mean, that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I want, Michael, I want you to weigh in too. We have a tendency to say that. Right. And, you know, like, okay, you got to build a well-balanced strategy. I mean, I can almost hear ourselves saying that over and over and over again. Right. All right. Let's take a step back. And give me some insight. Give our listeners some insight to what does that actually mean when we say it? Well, you know, again, Jim, it, it means, and that's hard, you know, especially during these times, fear, fear is a normal thing. Um, it's normal to, you know, when, when there's this much uncertainty around to start to question everything. But that's, that's where having those sound principles, a well-balanced portfolio that has a balance of, you know, say, you know, bonds that produce income, uh, maybe dividend-paying stocks go into that portfolio. Maybe there's some growth stocks in there that are for the long-term growth to outpace inflation. Uh, it's very, it, it's, it's about sitting down and designing a, a, an investment strategy that has a history of producing the types of returns you need to hit your goals. So it's not just throwing it against the wall. It's actually no, having no. a strategy. And Absolutely. I, so I hear you, and I understand that, and I, and I, I just kind of think that so many times we say things, and Michael, I want you to weigh in on this. We say things that, that to our average person listening, I mean, I just had a conversation with someone that, that literally finally in the conversation, we were doing everything, I was asking questions, and he literally finally said, you know, I just don't understand. Right. I mean, he really didn't. And he was very honest, very open. And I said, let's start from the very beginning. And what is kind of the strategy? So we started with the idea behind what he wanted and what he was trying to accomplish, as you said. Right. The why. And right. I think the why for a lot of people is is almost like I got it, but I don't know what it is. Right. And right. I think that's the concern with a lot of people. And I think that's different for everybody, right? There's no one-size-fits-all answer to these questions. And, and sometimes it's good to have somebody to bounce ideas off of, whether that's a a, a professional advisor like me and Michael or, or, or somebody else, a family member maybe that you respect a lot that has a lot of experience in, in these types of uh, decisions because these are big decisions that can affect the rest of your life. So a lot of planning and thought needs to go into them. You've, you've talked about fear, okay, and we've talked about that. We've talked about the fact that the market's been volatile and it doesn't seem what – I, what I want people to hear and understand that what we're talking about here is developing a strategy, knowing your why, is also understanding that the strategy can change as things change. But in this particular environment, it's like we don't really feel comfortable saying that you need to go change because nobody can put a handle on what's actually going to happen. 
Yeah, and you yeah. can definitely tell um, who's comfortable in retirement, who's not, just based on not necessarily based on how the stock market's doing, but basically how your buckets are aligned, how your resources are put together. Because a lot of times, if you don't have a lot of cash in the bank or money set aside for an emergency or even for a long-term, let's say you get furloughed or you retire earlier than expected, uh, when people have enough cash to support themselves for six months to a year, even two years, they're not worried about the stock market because they can take care of that short-term need. And when you have different buckets aligned for those longer-term goals like retirement or even for the short-term, people sometimes can be miserable um, <laughs> and stressful well, when it comes to I think the resources they look at. I think at. that's a good point. It's, it doesn't matter what happens the rest of this year. If you've got your bucket set up where you've got your short-term problems you know, resolved, it doesn't matter what the media is saying. And I think that we kind of push that fear aside. And GDP, you know, we just saw a record-setting GDP dropped. And, of course, that's, it's calculated on an annual basis. It looks like it's going to be down annually. Makes it look way more dramatic, doesn't it? Does. It's, it's down 32.9%. But in reality, you know, it, it's, it's down. But everybody it expected is. that. Yeah. And it's not going to bounce back tomorrow. And so if we knew that, it's not going to improve dramatically. We know that. It's next quarter, unemployment. It's going to take a while for people to yeah. get back in. So all of this is news, but right. it's not shocking news. I mean, it's people are the market has obviously accepted some of it, but we still have something hanging out. And I want to do a show on this: the presidential election. Yeah, that's hanging out over a yeah. lot of people's head, mm-hmm. and obviously that creates some anxiety. I think it's important to remind everybody that, regardless of what happens, regardless of what's going on. You can't look at your portfolio, and Michael, you said it. You got your short-term stuff. You said it, Scott, the fear. You can't look at your portfolio short-term. Correct. You got to have a long-term strategy. Yeah, the long-term strategy is key in all that. And, you know, you bring up the election, and I think that's going to become more and more a topic over the next couple of months. And, and, you know, we say this all the time, you can't build investment policy around politics. Uh, it, the, the history and statistics just don't prove that there's one political party that, that drives the market over another. You know, great companies will get back to doing business no matter who's in office. They're flexible. They'll figure out a way to keep doing business like they've been doing business one way or another. I know you've done some research, and we're actually going to do a seminar here coming up, and you've done some research, Scott. I think we ought to do a program about that because I think a lot of people today are are concerned about the presidential election, and I think that's important that we develop something around that to share with our listing audience. Yeah, It's definitely short-sighted because you think of, uh, you know, a president could be four years, could be eight, but someone's going to change Somebody's every eight yeah. years at least. And Somebody. you have the, you know, the House and the Senate that that you know, midterm elections can change a lot too. So right. you're you're probably looking at a, you know, as we were looking at, and we'll go into this in more detail in our show. There's usually only one major piece of legislation that gets accomplished, and and you know, a lot of the the fear of what we we're afraid of is going to happen never happens anyway. All right, let me say this. We've got the, 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 the fear, me using that term. I, I want to be careful with that. What do you see? We've talked about the fact that the baby boomer is approaching retirement. With all the noise, let's, let's dive in. I want to help people understand. Now, now let, listen to me carefully because I want everybody to hear this. And, and We're talking about a strategy, a strategy that develops a plan 
You've said, and I think it's the key cornerstone point, what is your why? What is it that you're looking to do? What is it you're trying to accomplish? I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about that. What is life planning, you know, when it comes to retirement? I want to talk about that in a minute. But right now, Scott, if you had to give a couple of scenarios to help everybody just to say, steady as you go, don't get caught up in the news stuff. What would be your what would be your couple of things that you think would be points that need to be understood to our listening audience? I think it's, you know, understand understand your risk tolerance, you know, understand your your asset allocation and what what is the purpose of the different parts of your portfolio. Don't make knee-jerk reactions based on short-term news media, the news cycle, emotions, whatever's causing that fear and uncertainty. Don't make long-term decisions on short-term volatility. That makes a good point. Let's talk about what everybody else does. They have a tendency to follow the herd. How would you tell people to avoid doing that? What would be the thing that's critical? Because, you know, you hear what somebody says at church, what somebody says at the office, the water cooler. What do you talk about that? Well, you know, the the herd teams seems to gather the most momentum, momentum right before it goes off a cliff, right? right. So it's uh, following the herd. Again, that can be a very dangerous investment philosophy. If your goals haven't changed, if your risk tolerance hasn't changed, then your investment policy should not change. So that's when you're talking about staying the course. Yes. So yes. don't let yourself get caught up with that. What about emotions? You're listening to Fox News one night. You listen to CNN, whatever your news outlet that you you choose, and you're, the market drops 20%. What, what do you do with those emotions? That's hard, you know, but I, I say this over and over again. Emotions are the enemy of any long-term investment strategy. Making decisions, um, it's easy to, to jump and, and, and react. You know, it's natural to become fearful, and it's almost, you know, a physiological response to want to, you know, either, either fight or flight, to get out of the situation, to do something to stop that fear and pain. But that can... That can be very detrimental to your long-term plans. And you know people that get caught up like that. You do too, Michael. We all know people like that. In fact, if you're listening, you're probably, you get caught up like that. I get, we get that way, but this, when it comes to your long-term strategy, you got to set that emotion aside and not let it control you. Scott, I want to kind of move into the last few segments here, because at least the thought process, this whole idea between what is life planning? Because people think about planning for retirement. We talk about a strategy. You talk about the why, and that's kind of what. What's the why, the life planning for retirement? Well, I, I think, you know, many people focus on retirement, and they just focus on the dollars and cents of it, and the why is a pile of money, right? But a pile of money is just a tool to accomplish the things we want to accomplish in life. So I think one of the often overlooked areas of planning for retirement is planning for what you're going to be doing in retirement. Why are we saving all this money? What, is, what are we wanting to do in retirement? You know, maybe it's uh, continuing education. Learn about things you've always wanted to learn about. What about health and fitness? You know, are we going to have gym memberships? Are we going to go on runs every day? How are we going to fill that time that we used to feel working now we're in retirement. Every day Saturday, right? What are we going to be doing with our time? You know, that is so important. I mean, whether it's education, if they go back to school, whether it's talking with Karen Vogelsing and being a, a tutor, teaching yes. a second yes. grader how to read. You know, we talked about you know, the spiritual side, the, the recreation side, health and fitness, but being philanthropic with your time Absolutely. is a part of retirement yeah. planning. 
our time, our talent, and our treasure, we can all be good stewards of that and use that to benefit other people. Okay, guys, real quick, I just think this is so important. Last thought, what would you tell somebody listening if they're in the strategy for planning? What's your number one thought? The why or what is it? I think it's the why. I think it's being very clear on that why. That's good. I like that. Just very distinct. Why? What are you doing? Yep. Yeah, the why is really important because you think you, you lost 40, 50 hours of a week to do whatever you want. Figure out what you're going to do because it's going to be a long retirement if you don't have really wow, stuff to do. Wow, that's a great you know? point. Well, Michael Powell and Scott Jordan, both of these guys are certified financial planners. Thanks, guys. Great insight. Thanks, Great Jim. important. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. You've been listening to KWAM, the Mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest, Karen Vogelsing of Arise 2, the number two read. Michael Powell, Scott Jordan with Shoemaker Financial. If you have questions for Karen, you can call her at 347-5545. And questions for Michael or Scott, you can call them at 757-5757. To find a copy of that PDF that I talked about earlier, Is College Worth It?, you can simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. And I tell you what, we're going to add one called Don't Panic. It's about the market. It's about just really what these guys were talking about. If you want it, just simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, type in Don't Panic or Is College Worth It? If you want to just read it, fine. Go to the get a PDF to print it out. Do that. My guest next week, we're going to be talking about special needs planning. Also, elder financial abuse, a very popular program. Everybody wants to know that. What are some of the things you need to be looking for? That's Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990 FM 107.9 and AM 990. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.